Let's go. Hi, and welcome to Slices, the Deep Dish Swift podcast. Deep Dish Swift is a supreme Swift developer conference being delivered in Chicago from April 30th to May 2nd. On this podcast, we'll be chatting with the organizers and speakers of the conference. We're Kaya Malin, and in this episode, we're chatting with Simon Storing, who is an indie developer of apps like Runestone, Scriptable, and many other awesome apps, and of course, a speaker at Deep Dish Swift. Hey, Simon. Welcome. Well, thanks for having me. <laughs> yeah, thank you so much for joining us. You're the, uh, I think you're the first two speakers that I will meet or meet. You know what you said. Oh no, that's uh, Tundi is also speaking. I met him once yeah. before. Yeah, oh, yeah, right. yeah. Did you meet him at a, a conference in Europe? Oh uh, yeah, I, I met him at been... the French Kid last year. Mm. Uh, mm-hmm. Yeah, we were both speakers there. What did you talk about at French Kid? Um, yeah, so I don't know if that's that's a bit embarrassing, but it's it's the same same as I'm talking about at the at, at the. Um, I was about to say slices. Sorry, a deep dish. Um, <laughs> but this talk is going to be expanded quite a bit because uh, the one I did at French Kid was yeah, a lightning yeah. talk. But yeah, same topic. Yeah, yeah, yeah that's cool. That's good. <laughs> uh, we we will get more to the topic soon. Yeah. Uh, first, I want to we want to know a bit more about you. <laughs> sorry, I already derailed um, in the first thirty seconds. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but let's start with where you're from and where you currently live. Um. Well. That, that's the same. It's Denmark. I, I grew up in Denmark, from Denmark, living in Denmark. Um, I used to live in the capital city of Denmark, Copenhagen, but I moved about mm-hmm. like one, one to two years ago. Um, I moved outside of Denmark, oh, sorry, outside of Copenhagen um, and, and quite a bit outside of Copenhagen. Okay. Um, so I live in their suburbs. Okay. How do you how do you like living a bit further out of uh, Copenhagen compared to in Copenhagen? Um, I mean, I quite like it. I mean... Copenhagen is not even the the nearest big city that I have, but Denmark is so small that you know <laughs> everything's like <laughs> all distances are quite short. Um, but I quite like it. I mean, it's just nice and quiet out here um, <laughs> compared to the city. I enjoy that. Yeah, yeah, awesome. And the next thing is, what do you do? Tell us a bit about yourself. Oh yeah. Um, so I uh, I build iOS apps um, <laughs> mostly. <laughs> also venturing a bit into mm-hmm. to Mac apps um, lately, but um, I have like mm-hmm. I have like two things going on. So I have a day job where I work for a um, kind of a, a traditional agency, somewhat, um, but with a focus on mobile development. Um, mm-hmm. It's called Shape, and it's also a company based in Denmark, based in Copenhagen, Denmark. Um, yeah, and we we focus on development for iOS and Android. Um, we're also doing some backend work. But that's like we only really do the backend if we're also doing a mobile app. Yeah. So everything's like mobile driven, mm. um, or driven by mobile apps. Um, yeah. So that that's my day job there. And then on the side, on the evenings, nights, weekends, um, <laughs> I do these. Um, I do my own apps. Um, so in that sense, I guess I'm not a real indie developer, but I'm like <laughs> half-time indie developer. I feel like. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I mean, you you have, I, I think you have enough projects, indie projects that you qualify no matter what you would do with the rest of your time. <laughs> I feel like there's a certain threshold. Once you hit like four or five apps, it qualifies. <laughs> yeah, all right. Thank you. <laughs> I'm glad to hear that. <laughs> it's just, I'm just thinking like, if you look at the word closely, I guess yeah. isn't, it doesn't indie stem from like independent? Am yeah. I wrong? Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Like if you have a full-time job, I would an independent. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> yeah, I, I think, but today, I think working on indie apps also kind of means that you put, that that those apps are not belonging to a larger entity, right? That you oh, yeah. build what you want 
them to contain rather than some kind of project manager telling you that some enterprise customer said they needed X. It's rather you put your love of the subject into the app that you're mm -hmm. working on. I think that's probably oh, yeah. what I, I agree. Maybe that's it. So in that sense... Yeah, I guess. I guess I am a developer in that sense. <laughs> if if we bent a definition into something that yeah, fits yeah. us, <laughs> exactly. Uh, how did you get into into that? I mean, both development, uh, your yeah. your 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 indie or your 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 side projects, and and your your agency. How how did you get started with all of that? Um. Yeah. So where where do I start? How far how far do I go back? Um, <laughs> <laughs> I guess I, I think we can start with how you get into like software development in general and All right. how um, like iOS. Yeah, I guess like, for focus? me that, that that's difficult to answer. I guess it just kind of happened. Um, I grew up with two quite tech savvy parents, um, and my dad was building websites and doing programming in like various languages and so on. It, 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 was, it was mostly websites actually, um, but in in different languages. Um, Yeah, and then I think that just piqued my interest. I think, isn't that kind of what kids do? That was what I did, at least. It's just you're around your parents all the time uh, when you're young, and you just look up to them, and you do the same as they do to some degree, mm. I guess. That's that's what I did. Um, so that's that's kind of what got me started back then. Um, but of course, that, that evolved uh, over the years. Mm. But I feel like it just, just kind of happened, um, <laughs> software development for me. And it, it's just... Yeah. Uh, an interest that has been developed over time and been increasing. That's cool. um, so did you, um, did you, what, what, do you remember what the first thing uh, was that you wrote? Like what your first program or your first website? Um, yeah. So I built, I don't remember actually what it was. I think I built all sorts of small things. Um, so this was, this was in my, um, I was, I was a small child that back then. So that was mostly like <laughs> things that I was a fan of, you know, or, uh, bands musicians games yeah. and so on i would build these fan pages <laughs> on all sorts of different <laughs> web services and um mm -hmm. that, was, that was this thing called microsoft front page back then where yep. you could build yep. websites or uh, spend a lot of time mm -hmm. in that publishing different uh different websites um yeah and i don't remember exactly what it was but it was like whatever i was occupied back then whatever kind of piqued my interest i would just build a shop mall website uh, about it <laughs> and how did you get it. from that into ios development when did that happen yeah um yeah that's a good question um i think throughout the years i just played with different technologies so i did some websites and i did some php and action script and flash and even some visual <laughs> basic back then you just tried out a lot of different things And just see to see what kind of stuck. Um, yeah, and I guess this this happened for like 10, 10 15 years or so um, when I was a small child. Um, and then one day, this like the iPhone was announced, and I was mm -hmm. keeping an eye on that. Uh, so when was this? Was it in two thousand Yeah, yeah, I think so. Um, mm -hmm. Yeah, and I, I was kind of I was that kind of piqued my interest, but it was also. Uh, way too expensive for me back then, the <laughs> iPhone. Um, so I didn't get it, also, but I found it very interesting. Oh, sorry. Could you also could you get the first iPhone in Denmark? Um, I guess you couldn't really. Uh, I knew some people who, who you know, bought it from overseas yeah. or whatever, but yeah. I guess you couldn't yeah, really yeah. buy it in Denmark. Um, anyways, I don't think I looked too much into that because I could just see the price tag. 
was way too <laughs> way too high for me. Um, yeah, but then a couple of years later, when the iPhone 3GS was announced, um, I bought that one. I don't know if it had gotten any any cheaper by then, but I had probably gotten a job or whatever. Mm. Um, so I could actually <laughs> afford one. And then I got that because it, it really, like, I, I really fell in love with the iPhone when it was announced because um, mm. it was it was basically, at least to me, it was the first device that had a great touchscreen. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. At least I had never seen a, such, you, such a good touchscreen before. Sorry. Did you use any other touchscreen devices before the iPhone? Uh, or what type of phone did you have before? Yeah, I had these. Um, there were some different devices with touchscreens. I think didn't Sony Ericsson make some, and there were this mm-hmm. company called QTech. Um, I don't know if these these are any international brands or if they were more like <laughs> European brands. Uh, but I were yeah, these. I remember. Yeah, I think I had a, one of the Sony, er- uh, Sony Ericsson ones yeah, as well, probably, uh, um, which was a huge, very the big difference between the yeah, two. Yeah, I mean there were these different mobile um, mobile device uh, like manufacturers that you don't hear about these days, mm-hmm. uh, but I think they did yeah, some early yeah. devices with with um, touchscreens. Mm. And but yeah, but I, they were I, weren't good. Yeah, because they were also still, I think. I forget what the technology is called. Resi- resistive touch. Yeah, where you exactly, have essentially yeah. layers, and mm-hmm. you had to push one layer mm-hmm. onto the other layer for it to to register. Yeah, yeah uh, sometimes you had to press super hard. Yeah, for it or to you register. had to use. Yeah. yeah, or you had to use like a stylus or some kind of input yeah. device for it. And I, I was always a big fan. I, for some reason, touch screens really grabbed me. So even those were like, mm. this is cool. I can touch stuff. But the iPhone yeah. with multi touch and the capacitive touch screen was was mind blowing. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, that was just leaks above what uh, mm. what we had seen previously. Um, yeah, so along came the iPhone 3GS, and uh, I think that was around the same time, maybe it was a year before, the iPhone SDK was, the, um, was released. Mm-hmm. Maybe it was two years before, mm-hmm. I don't remember anymore. Um, <laughs> but at least there was this uh, opportunity to, to build for this device, and that totally piqued my interest, because I, mm. I, I had this, this feeling that I wanted to make software that you could touch <laughs> and this this just seemed like the right mm-hmm. platform um, that you could put anything on a screen and then users could drag it around and um, yeah just just play play with your UI. Um, mm. So that that's what got me started developing for the iPhone, uh, <laughs> and I haven't really stopped stopped since. <laughs> that's cool. Yeah. And when you wanted when you wanted to start developing for the iPhone, did you already have a Mac at that point, or was there? Did you have to go out to ah, get yeah how was that the right setup? How was that actually? Um, I think I bought uh, my first iPhone and my first Mac within a few months uh, <laughs> of each other, but I don't remember which which I got first. To be honest, I think I got the iPhone first. I'm pretty sure I used that with Windows for a while. <laughs> oh, no, that's that's cool. And then so one, so now we 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 know how you get into development and iOS development, and now you're working. Um, with iOS, so how do how do you when when you work on your own apps, when you work on your indie apps, what do you decide? Like how do you how do you determine what you want to work on and uh, what to pick up next? Um, yeah, good question. I think uh, like most of my apps are somewhat developer focused. Uh, like I think you can mm-hmm. at least you can look at them depending on the angle you look at them. Um, mm-hmm. You'll find that there's some mm-hmm. development angle to them um that's scriptable hmm. where you write javascript runestone is a plain text editor but with syntax highlighting which is quite common for developers hmm. um yeah. 
yeah. JSON for viewing JSON files, data jar, that's a database. I mean, mm-hmm. so that's, that's kind of, that's, that's a theme here, right? Um, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> these developer tools are, um, I find it quite interesting to build developer tools. And I think it's part of, like, there are two reasons to it, I think. Um, one is that I, I'm really just building tools for myself. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that's, <laughs> kind of the the best audience that you can have is is basically yourself mm. um because you know what you want um and you know what you don't want and then mm-hmm. yeah and then I guess I just I just kind of go from there whenever I feel like there's mm. there's something that I need that doesn't exist I just try to build it and then I feel, feel like building developer tools is um often comes with some some technical challenges that kind of pique my interest and that's not to say that mm-hmm. other um apps don't or other other software don't because they definitely do but i feel like there's just something about these developer tools that that i find interesting like waking up one day and be like i think i can write my own text editor uh, <laughs> that's like to me that's, that's that's kind of a fun challenge um yeah, yeah. How hard can it be? yeah. That's actually how it started. I gave myself one month to build a text editor, and oh, wow, wow. one and a half year later, I could release it. Uh, yeah, one month have, is not enough. To... We have a couple of friends that build text editors, and everyone is. <laughs> whenever we meet uh, at meetups or something, I say, "Never, never build a text editor." <laughs> so, how do you like you... building a text editor? Yeah, <laughs> um, I, I quite enjoyed. I think it's a lot of fun. Um, I don't think I would recommend it to anyone because um, <laughs> it's also a lot of work, yeah. and it's a lot of work where at least I've been thinking. So I'm I'm spending days or weeks on this problem, yeah. but it's like it feels like a solved problem. If I was just <laughs> using a UI text view or whatever, I could have this done in five minutes. Yeah, but for like for various reasons, I just needed to build my own text editor. Um, yeah. But yeah, it's a lot of fun. You get to solve a lot of. Uh, yeah, technical challenges, and I also throughout the process, I got to revisit some of my um, kind of, or at least dig through some of my old uh, um, knowledge from um, what's what's it called, like a different algorithm courses that mm-hmm. I had at university. Yeah, mm-hmm. that I haven't mm-hmm. really applied much since university, but I got a, got some <laughs> got an opportunity to do it when building this text editor. <laughs> like, I remember in university, I was working with red black trees. Mm-hmm. But that didn't come up mm-hmm. ever since until I built a text editor. Um, then it was suddenly relevant again. So what are you using it for in, in Runestone? Um, so basically, uh, all lines are, um, are put in a red-black tree. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm using, and I'm using that to scan the lines to kind of quickly navigate them. Basically, mm-hmm. what it, one of the things that it solves for me is that I can, um, I can put line numbers on a line. Mm-hmm. It makes it super easy mm-hmm. to find... When I'm when I'm on a um, when the array is on some location, I can quickly look up to find out which line number does that mm-hmm. placement in the text correspond yep. to. Um, yeah, and that I mean that's something that I thought would be super trivial to solve. But <laughs> when reading like about how others have built text editors and going through their mm-hmm. uh, source code, a red black tree or some other tree is really the mm-hmm. answer to this. No, that's mm-hmm. cool. Because it's such a common uh, software development job interview question, so it's nice to actually have <laughs> a, a use case in mind when when having to answer that question. Oh yeah, but please don't <laughs> an- an- ask me that question. I don't know my red black tree that well. <laughs> 
Um, I also saw you had some other challenges with line numbers, uh, just them sticking around while scrolling. And uh, oh yeah, it seems like AppKit <laughs> makes that um, gives you about twelve options, and they all have different downsides of how to get sticky. Yeah, that's basically it. Um, so throughout the past two months, I've been venturing into AppKit. Um, I've been developing Firewise for. 10, 12 years, I don't know. Mm -hmm. uh, and never once had a really touched app kit until very recently. Mm -hmm. And it turns out it's super different from iOS, um, <laughs> at least. <clears throat> I mean, it's not really that different on the surface because uh, mm -hmm. you have in UI kit, you have UI scroll view, and in yep. app kit, you have NS scroll view. They have almost mm -hmm. the same APIs, but once you start using them, you'll find that they differ <laughs> uh, in some areas. <laughs> And um, <laughs> yeah, that's that's been causing some issues. Yeah. What do you think has been the most challenging challenging part of going to macOS after working so long for iOS? Oh, um, that's a great question. Uh, what's the, what's the most challenging thing? <laughs> Honestly, I like so one thing is figuring out these uh, small differences on things that just look the same but behave mm -hmm. a bit differently. I mean, there are um, mm -hmm. th th that's that's quite tricky. Um, but I think mm -hmm. what has been the most interesting to me is basically how you structure your code when you need it to run on two okay. different platforms with two different um, mm -hmm. underlying implementations, yeah. maybe. Um, mm -hmm. And, you know, we have various design patterns to help us solve this. Um, so I've, I've kind of been revisiting, revisiting those as well. And mm -hmm. these days I'm, I'm restructuring, restructuring a lot of my code base um, to kind of work on both AppKit and mm -hmm. UIKit well. Yeah. Because yeah. I think it nice. took me like, I don't know, a week or two weeks. And then I had a quite a good POC uh, of RuneStone on the Mac. Mm -hmm. But mm -hmm. the code base wasn't that good. Um, mm -hmm. <laughs> and that's, that's not something I want to maintain for years. Um, yeah. So mm -hmm. right now I'm spending way more than two weeks restructuring <laughs> that. And I think that's that's both the... The, um, the toughest, but also the most interesting challenge. Mm. So do you have them in, um, uh, is it still essentially two different uh, projects, two different structures, but you have some components that are shared? So the the way that I have chosen to structure it is really to have everything in the same Swift package, mm -hmm. um, okay. in the same open source package. And then I have, I have two implementations of um, the text view, which is like the entry point to the Swift mm -hmm. package. There are basically there are two files named textview.swift. I mean, you can't have that. So they're named textview mm -hmm. underscore iOS, textview underscore Mac.swift. Um, <laughs> and they provide different uh, interfaces to, I to UIKit and AppKit. There are some similarities, but there are also some differences mm -hmm. that I think makes it worthwhile having mm -hmm. two different implementations. But of course, this mm -hmm. textview mm -hmm. uses the, the underlying implementation of that uh, shares some logic, shares some... Mm -hmm. different mm -hmm. types that are yeah that are the same uh and that's that's yep. really the types that i'm trying to to pick out right now figuring out what can i kind of mm -hmm. put into uh into shared uh, mm. which, which logic can i put mm. into shared types yeah what made you decide to um have the underlying uh runestone engine open source um yeah good question um so basically when i before i started building runestone I went to GitHub, I went to, uh, I believe, Swift Package Index, uh, and like these mm -hmm. different places. 
to figure out if there were any open source uh, text editors. Um, and there are, but they didn't really fit my needs. Um, so I thought, well, if I need this, then others might need it as well. And I kind of expected this to ex- to exist as open source. <laughs> so I thought I might as well put mm-hmm. it out there. Um, that's great. I think that's it. Yeah. Like, <laughs> that's, that's basically <laughs> it. Um, and then, of course, there's like... That, that's also the benefits that come from open sourcing uh, your code. I think at least I I'm a bit more conscious about conscious about the code that I write because I know <laughs> that everyone can see it all of a sudden. So I feel like I need to become a better developer uh, to open source something. And that's not to say that Runestone's code base is great, but um, trust me, it's better than other <laughs> things that I've written. <laughs> um, yeah, both sides are nice. It's nice when you're like. When you know people will look at it, so you make sure it's it's prettier than it would otherwise be. But it's also then nice when you go back to some closed source and you're like, I know this is a mess, but it works really <laughs> nicely and I'm happy with that. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> That's also nice. Um, yeah, and, I mean, then it's just nice to, to see people adopt it. Um, there are, I mean, there are not a lot of people who have adopted RuneStone, but I have heard from some uh, who are using it in their apps. And that's just, I mean... That, that makes me happy, of course. Yeah, that's really cool. So how do you uh, decide yeah. to structure your day? Because you have a lot going on. You have, you have your full-time job, but you also have quite, a, quite ambitious multiple projects that you're working on, on 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 all your spare time. So how do you try? Do you have a strict schedule? or? Um, yeah, I mean, no, not really a strict schedule, <laughs> I would say. Uh, but I, I work from, I, I work on my day job from like, I don't know, eight to four, nine to five, something like that. Uh, whatever kind of suits. I'm I'm working remotely most of the time, so that also gives some flexibility mm-hmm. in terms of when uh, on the day that I work. Um, yeah, but usually from like eight to four, and then I'll switch to my own projects uh, after that in the afternoon uh, and the evening, kind of whatever my time allows for, and then <laughs> in the weekends. Um, but then I also work. Uh, I only work four days a week. So okay. I have one full day to work okay. on my own projects. So that also helps. And when you work on your own projects, how do you decide now when you have apps out in the world, how do you decide to continue working on an app that's already out there uh, versus creating something new? Or how do you level that? Um, I don't think I really do. I mean, if anyone can answer how you do that, uh, <laughs> let me know. Um, I just kind of um, I think I just go with my gut feel. Like I, I, I try to just work on whatever yeah. I want. And then I hope that's also what my users want. Uh, I, I think that's right. Um, yeah, yeah. And of course, like some of my apps are a bit intertwined or will become more intertwined in the future. So like these days I'm working on RuneStone, uh, on bringing RuneStone to the Mac. Um, mm-hmm. And in particular, the RuneStone framework to the Mac and maybe one day the RuneStone app. Uh, but the RuneStone the framework, I'm trying mm-hmm. to bring that to the Mac because I want to improve on Scriptable, one of my own mm-hmm. other apps. And mm-hmm. I want to build yeah. yep. Scriptable in... Um, that's currently a UI kit app, mm-hmm. but I'd like to transition mm-hmm. that. I'm working on a big update for that, and I'd like to see if I can do that in um, multi-platform Swift UI. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. And if I want to do multi-platform Swift UI, then I can't use UI kit components on mm-hmm. the Mac. I'll need to use mm-hmm. app kit components. Mm-hmm. And if yep. I want to use RuneStone in Scriptable... Then I need Runestone <laughs> to work with AppKit. <laughs> so it's like there's some back and forth going on here. Um, that's that's what got me started with uh, with Runestone for AppKit. Yeah, 
No, that makes sense. And I do think like working on what you're, I, I think it will, it will sort of work out in the end, whatever draws your interest. I think that will, that's, the, if it's, if it's your independent project, I think when you're interested in a particular project, I think it makes sense to spend the time on the one that you're the most enthusiastic about, because then you have fun building it. And I think it, it helps you stay motivated to really continue working on something in addition to your to your main job so i think and it probably means uh, the product becomes nicer because you you put so yeah. much you know more care into something that you really care about and you find interesting rather than something you feel like you have to do yeah i think it goes back to kai's definition of how, <laughs> how you can see what an indie developer is like if it's something that you care about putting like your craft into and you put your passion into it and you will notice you will notice it as a uh, everyone who uses app will notice that as well yeah yeah hopefully um it's probably not the recommendation that i would give to anyone wishing to like make a real business out of their apps because mine mine aren't i mean they're spare time projects so if if you're if you're kind of trying to turn things into a, a real business, you probably want to run it a bit more tight <laughs> <laughs> than just doing whatever you feel like. <laughs> Speaking of um, working on parts that you might not feel like doing, uh, I think one thing we have um, when we talk to many people working on their own things, I think the, uh, there's a difference between working on new features and continuing developing your apps and then uh, going through and marketing those features and marketing the apps that you're working on. How, how do you, uh, do you, do you try to do any type of marketing of your apps once they're out there? Um, no. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's the short and boring answer. Um, I, I've kind of not really, uh, I'm just trying to think what, what do I really do? Um, <laughs> I think the only thing I've been doing really is write about my apps on uh, on social media. Um, so, I mean, you can say that I do some marketing. I mean, it depends on how you look at it. Because usually when I'm building yeah. a feature on an entire app, I'll uh, I'll build it in, in the open. So I'll yeah. tell everyone what I'm doing all mm -hmm. the time and also involve some of the potential users in decisions mm. or mm. at least hear their input. And I guess mm. that's also kind of marketing right. for something mm. that just doesn't exist yet. Mm. Um yeah, definitely. But it's not like once I'm done with something that I really have an, a huge marketing <laughs> button that I push with articles <laughs> and ads yeah. and so on. I've never really done any of that mm. Um, mm. because it's just not really what I enjoy. And mm. I, I just I'm, I know I'm not good at it either. Mm -hmm. um, but I think that's also, again, where it comes in. You work on developer tools because they're interesting to you. A lot of people mm -hmm. that follow you on social media follow you because of the developer side of, of what mm -hmm. you're doing, probably, right? There's probably a good overlap of people that follow you that are interested in developer tools, and that's what you're building, and therefore, you know, it kind of all works out pretty nicely. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I think that's true. <laughs> I think that's basically it. Um no, but I mean, not in terms of like app store ads or so on. I've, I've been trying those out, um, but I found that it didn't really work well for me. Uh, but I think that comes back to me not being that good at it. Uh, and you'd have to, you know, keep looking at your numbers and see where can you tweak things. I guess you two are great at it. That's that's my assumption. Um, but I don't know. <laughs> Uh, uh, I think I think App Store App Store ads is something that you sort of have to you have to play with, and I don't think it works for for every app either. It depends a lot on the um, 
on the segment or the market that you're in. And I think that's that's the interesting thing, but also a bit um, a bit of a frustrating mm. thing with marketing that there is no like you sort of just have to try a lot of random things and then see what works. Yeah. And whether that's apps or marketing or writing about what you're what you're working on, sharing it with your community. I think I think it really depends on the type of app. And I I, I do like the approach um, that you you're just writing about what you're working on, and that seems a lot more. It feels a lot more, um, uh, more fun. I'm trying to write a post a bit more of like features that I worked on that I'm happy with, because I'm genuinely happy about it. I don't want to sell it just for the sake of selling it. Uh, so I think if you can just write about it, that's that's an approach that I really like. Yeah, and it. I mean, in some sense, it's also, I guess it's it's kind of easy uh, writing a post about something. Um, not that it has to be easy. It just kind of happens to be because you're so excited mm. about something you're building. You just yeah. want people to see it instead of like, if I were to do any other marketing, that would be an mm -hmm. effort for me. <laughs> yeah. And I would probably <laughs> procrastinate it for days, if not weeks. Um, <laughs> but with a post, I, I just don't. Um, but I'm curious to hear like, what, what do you two do? Do you have this big marketing button that you just <laughs> press whenever uh, you have something ready? Uh, no, we are not that coordinated. <laughs> uh, funny, you know, uh, Apple has this this form where you can tell them about oh, yeah. the big update that you have. They always ask you to give them like a long leeway, and I've been recommended like at minimum two weeks. Like, let them know, and that's so hard for me. I'm like, I, I don't even know. Like, maybe like maybe I start a feature tomorrow, and I will be so excited about this. I ship it in two days later. Yeah, one thing um, we've been told. Bundle more more interesting features together so you have a big update. Yep. It's like every time we build something that we we think is pretty neat, we're like, all right, can't wait. Submit it to App Store. Uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> right. And I think I think that is I I think that is helpful for our users because we do have a subscription app and I, I prefer to rather continue sending out improvements to our users because it makes them happy and they get to use all the new things as soon as they can uh, but it does mean that we don't have like as much of a marketing push around that and uh, but what we're, what we're trying to to do is to like it, we're sort of forced to bundle things in September because they yeah. are usually tied to the latest iOS update and that tend to be a bit more of a push and I think then what we what we do is to we we do try to have a press kit ready um, just for people to be able to uh, get our if if they are interested when we when we push the update they can, they can get our uh, assets and mm. a bit of information about what we what we've been working yeah, on. Yeah, but more um, make it if someone for some reason is interesting to write about something that we've built, make it as easy for or to to not get in their way or, and make it easy for mm -hmm. for someone to have nice screenshots have nicely framed screenshots yeah, yeah. or have the app icon have all the information about pricing and those kind of things just have have it as accessible and as, what if we would think about if we want to write an article about any of our apps what what kind of information would we be after and try to get that into a press mm -hmm. kit but i right. i i wouldn't say we're good at it i think <laughs> but now when you're asking that i feel like most people are probably 90 percent bad at marketing it's just if you keep <laughs> going you you hit the 10 percent at yeah. work every now and yeah. then and that's probably all you need <laughs> yeah yeah i mean that that sounds about right uh, i believe that um yeah. i just uh <laughs> Madeline, you, you you mentioned this uh, formula that um you should f you, you fill out uh, and send to mm -hmm. apple about 
what you'd say a couple of days before uh, you have something ready and they recommend sending <laughs> it several weeks before and I think yeah. I think that's true uh, yeah. anyways I just kind of wanted to dwell at that formula uh, just for a second because uh, I mentioned <laughs> that I do nothing but I, I also fill that fill out that form um, for every major update mm-hmm. or every new app mm-hmm. and I think mm-hmm. it's it's so important because like once in a while, and I would say quite often, I get a message from someone asking, oh, how, how do you get featured? I saw your app was mm-hmm. featured. How did you do that? And it's like, mm-hmm. This, mm-hmm. maybe there are several ways of getting featured. I don't know them, but I know <laughs> that formula that works. Like if fill mm-hmm. it out and build something good or cool mm-hmm. or yeah. Yeah. pretty or whatever, just build mm-hmm. something of some quality and then fill out that form, have patience, and then it really works. Mm-hmm. But like, 99% of the people that I talk to don't even know that formula exists. Yeah, in case someone listening doesn't know it exists, it's appstore.com slash promote. Yeah. <laughs> they have a bunch of different domains, but that's the one that's the easiest to remember. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. And I think um, I think it's it's helpful both for, both for update, but also um, depending on what's in your update, maybe it doesn't fit perfectly for the App Store at that point, but there might be something in there that, um, that it makes Apple aware of what your app is about and what your app can do. So next time they are like creating, so we're, we're, on a, we're currently on a list for um, outdoor activities mm. uh, for our weather app. And I, I don't know, like we have not submitted that form recently, but it might have been that it came across um, their radar and then they thought, oh, we have this uh, this particular list that we want to create. And then they use this as a reference. So you shouldn't be discouraged just because you don't hear anything after submitting the form, uh, because I do think it helps just being uh, being on the radar. Yeah, but uh, also, also, especially for, I mean, it sounds like we all struggle a little bit with marketing. I do think a good way of thinking about something like that form or reaching out to press around, you know, iOS 17 releases is that uh, Apple's editorial team is actively trying to find new things to, to feature on the App Store, right? That's that's their job. Mm-hmm. They're trying to find interesting new apps. And you're actually making their job easier if you tell them about what you've built, if if you think it does something interesting or something unique or does something that's that's not interesting, not unique in a, in an in an interesting way, right? Mm. Uh, I think uh, being able to because you put it in their form in the format they they find mm. the easiest, hopefully the easiest to 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 read about and figure out if it's interesting to them or not. You're actually you know mm-hmm. helping them get, yeah. get uh, to to do their job and figuring out which apps to put in this and what to bring to the app store because I I imagine it's quite a lot of work to find new apps to feature every single day. I mean, the app store is rotating mm. so fast now, right? Yeah. The new apps being mm-hmm. featured every single day. It's probably quite yeah. a lot of work. No, I, I agree. I do think that's a good that's a good perspective to take to it because in the beginning when we started telling people about our app, uh, both Apple and people in the press, then it felt like you're sort of pushing something on them and you felt a bit like, oh, I don't want to bother them. But I think that is a good perspective that like, no, this is actually like helping them like you're highlighting things that you think are important with your app and you are putting it in a format that they are expecting and that's like accessible to them. Um, so yeah, I think that getting over that sort of mental hurdle of how to think of promoting or how, how to think of telling other people about your app has helped a lot for us. And as also well. sometimes you see people saying around like when I think iOS 16 came out, 
you saw like journalists on 95Mac and Mac Rumors asking, hey, uh, any cool apps? Did anyone build anything cool that mm. uses lock screen widgets? And that's that's an invitation, right? It's not... Exactly, yeah. And I, that often then builds relationships. You reach out to them yeah. and it's like, hey, this is what I built. And maybe, maybe uh, they find it interesting or cool. And that makes it a lot easier than to send a message even in, mil- like in, in, in December if you build something mm. cool. It's like, hey, you know, the thing that I told you about uh, for iOS 16, we have a big update. I think those kind of, for people that are a bit reserved uh, reaching out to press or, or, or marketing on that kind of PR side, I think... T- Using using WWDC or iOS macOS release periods as a way of of getting a foot into the door is a really good way. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Yeah, you just make that job easier. And I'm I'm gonna go out on a limb here and say that I think hundred percent of your um, audience, like if they're building something, should do this. We had these qualifiers before. Mm-hmm. If you're building something uh, interesting, if you're building something of quality <laughs> or whatever, I, I feel like if if you are in this audience, you should just you use these opportunities. Because yeah. if you if you're built some building something and you're happy with it, that like, is true. You probably solved the problem mm. for yourself, and then it's mm. like in all likelihood, it's gonna solve a problem for someone else. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, that's better. We're not really that unique that we're the only ones who think this is great. I really don't trust that. There must be other people. So tell them about it. Yeah, yeah. I, I think that's a better way of looking at it. We're always super critical to our tone. Where we're like, it's not good enough yet. We, we should wait another six months before we tell anyone about it. But I think you're right. Hmm. Um, all right. We should also talk a little bit about this conference thing. Oh, yeah. Uh, <laughs> Have you been to Chicago before? No, never. Um, I'm so excited to go. I've been to uh, USA a couple of times. Or, um, yeah, but two times and uh, both times to go to DubDub. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that was just in the mm. San Jose area. And then uh, one, no, two-day trip to San Francisco. Uh, but never in Chicago. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I'm looking forward to that. Yeah, that will be, I think, a lot of fun. Have you had, so I assume you have not had deep dish pizza either? Um... No, my girlfriend and I tried to make some at some point. Um, uh, that's that probably doesn't qualify. Um, but, but no, so I'm, yeah, yeah, quite excited. Um, yeah, uh, <laughs> you seem to have had a segue. No, you so go. You now I want to hear your your butchered segue. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, so uh, we're not only gonna eat pizza in chicago we're also gonna go to a conference called deep dish um and you're giving a talk what's your talk about you already mentioned it briefly in the beginning but tell us a bit more about right um so the talk is titled documenting your project with doxy um and it might sound a bit dull but i promise i'll try to make documentation (laughs) not dull um i'll do my best um but yeah it's basically i think everything's in the title uh, we will go through <laughs> how you can use the recent, like, yeah, recently introduced Doc C framework, Apple's Doc mm-hmm. C framework, mm-hmm. to document your project. And that's not only open source projects. Um, so, kind of what motivated me to do this talk is because I built an open source project, the Runestone. Uh, I, mm-hmm. And of course, I needed documentation for it. Um, so, I had to look into Doc C and how I could build some, mm-hmm. um, some, helpful documentation or pretty <laughs> or like some Apple-like documentation um, is probably the mm-hmm. right word. Um, yeah, so I just dive deep into that. Um, and 
I'll kind of go through in the talk how how I did that and how you can use it on your own projects, even if they're not open source projects, and uh, even if they're not packages or frameworks or whatever. You can use it to document our entire apps as well. Um, yeah. Yeah, I got it. I I will put your the Rinstone documentation show notes. But it is it is very very pretty documentation and very very detailed. I would say maybe maybe more so than Apple's own documentation, at least for some frameworks. Yeah, I mean Apple's documentation has some rough edges, but it's also it also has some some good parts to it, right? Um, I mean Apple's documentation isn't that bad. Um, if when it's not there, it's bad. But when it's there, it's actually yeah, quite that good. is true, um, and it's improving quite a lot. Yeah, um, yeah, it is. Uh, yeah. Especially yeah, I mean, SwiftUI the... was rough in the first couple of years, but now it's actually oh, yeah. getting so detailed. And I like that they bring the discussion section more back more. That was very yeah. much missing of like, not just here here the parameters, but also what are some of the gutchers? What are some of the things I, sh- mm-hmm. I should know if if I'm already interested in, in, in this particular view construct? What else m- m- might I want to know about it, right? And I think that's really cool to see coming back more. Yeah, sure. Um, and that's that's also something we'll cover in the talk, uh, most likely. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> but but what, what you'll also see in the um, in the Swift UI documentation are these, um, I think they call it uh, interactive tutorials. Or maybe you just call them tutorials, by the way. Mm. I should probably have that figured out before the talk. <laughs> but there are these tutorials where you know you scroll down and then there are code snippets and yeah. you expand on the code snippet and there are screenshots. Um, and then usually in the end, there's a small quiz mm-hmm. where you have to, there's a multiple mm-hmm. choice thing. Mm-hmm. And all of these you can build, build with Doxy as well. Um, with a, like a, a special dialect of Markdown that Apple Apple built. And That's we'll really cool. That I didn't well. know that. Let's go. No, it's, it's quite easy actually. Mm. I'm, I'm yeah. looking forward to awesome. to your talk. Um, right. What is yeah. what is the state of the talk? Are you are you all done or still? Um, <laughs> no, I wish. <laughs> um, no, so I I mean I gave this talk as a lightning talk um, last autumn at French Kit. Uh, this will mm-hmm. not be a lightning talk, so I I do need to expand on a few topics, um, and that's that's I mean that's kind of where I'm at. Uh, I haven't put anything into keynote yet i don't hope i'm too late um nah you're fine but uh i'm i'm like i think i have the outline ready and then i'm just kind of going around mm-hmm. thinking a bit about it mm-hmm. right now and then then i'll need to get mm-hmm. uh, everything put into keynote um yeah my plan i'm going on a vacation next week so my plan is to go uh, mm-hmm. full on on this era <laughs> after <laughs> just, sounds good i want to have it ready i mean a month before the conference mm-hmm. is my is kind of my goal so i have some time mm-hmm. to iterate on it mm-hmm. I think that that usually works yeah. well for me. Yeah, that sounds good. Uh, for your vacation, staying home or are you going somewhere? Um, no, I'm going to Norway. Going skiing, oh. skiing in Norway. Nice. Oh, yeah. Um, so shall we move over to our Let's rapid fire questions? I, I just looked at the time. Where? <laughs> oh, <laughs> we're, we're we're not doing super well with our our. Guidelines, but that's okay. That's, so don't feel so, stressed about your rapid, yeah, so let's, rapid fire questions. Rapid fire questions, we'll, not rapid fire answers. We'll make them super rapid. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So first question is, what's your favorite iOS app? Oh, yeah. So now, yeah, I can't be rapid here, I guess. <laughs> uh, <laughs> um, this is a tough question. I mean, I have so many great apps from so many great people. Um, so it, when it, when it, 
you sent me over, you sent me these questions uh, beforehand. So I guess I should have a question ready by now. Um, I was like going through my apps and thinking like, what's actually my favorite app? And then I went into screen time to see, are there any yeah. indications here? And if I am to look at screen mm-hmm. time, it would be something like Overcast or uh, yeah. Ivory. Yeah. Uh, and I think they're mm-hmm. quite good uh, candidates, as, candidates as well. Um, the Things app is super polished. Mm. Um, yeah. But I kind of feel like, and I don't know, this, I, I feel like this is an, an odd pick maybe. Um, but I think maybe my favorite app is Spotify. Oh, really? Uh, Interesting. Yeah. Interesting. Like when I mentioned that to to a lot of people that that I quite like that app, they sometimes they look at me weird. Not because it's a bad app, but just <laughs> to them it's not the first app that comes to mind yeah, when they need to think of a good app. And I, and I think that's what I quite like about it. It's <laughs> it's on everyone's phones and it it works. It's super fast. It's uh, like the search is super fast. It can switch between mm-hmm. my devices uh, super reliable reliably, and I use it for hours mm-hmm. each day. I mean, I quite like it. Mm. Uh, your your Nordic allegiance is showing. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you can say. Um, I mean, I quite dislike that they are like throwing these podcasts down my throat. I don't want to use that. I want to yeah. use Overcast no. for yeah. uh, my podcasts. But I think yeah. Spotify is a quite good app. All right. Uh, I like okay. I like unexpected picks. So that, that's a good one. Um, <laughs> speaking of apps, yeah. do, do you... If you would guess, how many apps do you think you have installed on your phone right now? Uh, phew, I'm I'm cheating a bit because this question came up in a Discord or Slack or whatever recently. So I had to look it up um, and then I deleted some. So I don't know the exact answer right now. But <laughs> back then, I believe it was 150, give or take. Okay, that's uh, not bad. Something like yeah, that. Yeah, that's not bad. Yeah, yeah mine had, what was it, 800? <laughs> Yeah, I think 600 or something. <laughs> <laughs> and my guess, though, was way up. I guess, though, I had like 90. Are you um, like an avid app library user? Yes. Or like, where do you have all of these apps? Yeah. 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 All right. So they're also quite yeah. hidden. I, I only have like, yeah, yeah. I only have two like permanent screens where I keep the ones mm. that I'm actually using. And then I think because I always have quite a lot of storage capability i i just don't delete the ones that i've been trying yeah, but, but mm. uh, sometimes i'm like oh i want to i want to look at apps that have onboarding yeah. flows which is like all apps <laughs> yeah. today um then i want to get some inspiration and then i might never use them but i, I keep yeah, them around we I'm have bit... so many apps that we just download because it had one interesting yep. interaction or one nice animation and then you don't want to delete it because you might need it as a reference if you want to build like a delightful yeah, animation uh, you want to look back at it so I, I yeah, think sure. probably 600 of those 800 are just because they, they did one thing very nicely, which yeah. is, which yeah, is nice, I... right? It's, I think that's why, why we like using iOS apps so much because so many people yeah. put so yeah. many fun, delightful things in them. Yeah, I right. guess so you, you'll be the reason that Apple one day releases a two terabyte iPhone, right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, so what's your favorite Mac app? Yeah, I think that one's a, a bit easier. That's, that's Todd. Um, oh, don't yep. know if you know it. Yep. Oh, yeah, yep, yep. Um, taught by the Icon Factory, um, small app for writing plain text, really. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then it syncs to an iPhone, and I use it so many times every day. Basically, any text that I write on my Mac, and also my iPhone. I was a bit, I was going back uh, and forth a bit as mm-hmm. to whether I should pick it as my mm-hmm. favorite iPhone app or yeah. my favorite Mac app, because <laughs> um, I use it on yeah. both uh, many times a day. Uh, and that's that's where all my text starts. 
uh, almost all, yeah. even like Slack messages, emails. Oh, interesting. Mastodon posts, mm-hmm. so on. It'll usually always start in in Todd. Mm. That's really nice. Yeah. Uh, and what's your favorite iPhone model? I mean, oh, we yeah, know what's tricky. your first one, uh, but what, what yeah. was your favorite? And it's tempting to pick that as my yeah. favorite, but I don't really think it is. The iPhone 3GS was felt a bit plasticky, right? Yeah. Uh, it has the plastic back. Um, mm. But my favorite iPhone is the uh, iPhone 12 mini, the, f- oh. the first mini yeah. model. Yeah. I really yeah. like the mini mm. phones. Yeah. Um, yeah. And I think for that reason, the iPhone 5 is also a, a close runner-up. Is it, was that the mini phone? Mm. Yep, that's a mini. All right. Yeah, that's great. That's your primary phone? No, I, I went to 14 Pro this year. I, I abandoned uh, yeah. it. It's the first iPhone I've... It might sound weird. But the first iPhone I had for two years. I usually, since the very first iPhone, upgraded every single year. And the Mini oh, yeah. I liked so much, which is the best possible review I can give it. it I liked it so much that, that I actually used it for two years. <laughs> All right. <laughs> yeah, it's so good. I also have the 14 Pro right now. And... and Every day, I'm just like, this thing yeah, is so huge too. and big and heavy, and I don't like it. Yeah, um, yeah. yeah. I do. I do yeah. hope the rumors of using a different stainless steel is just. I, I understand it's a premium material, but it just makes the phone so heavy. Yeah, <laughs> I, I yeah, wish they would use aluminum, or or if the rumors are true of the t- titanium, losing any any amount of weight on that phone would make a big difference. Yeah, that would be great. Um. Um, Do you still have your mini? Um, I actually gave it to my sister uh, a couple of weeks ago. Oh, nice. um, she needed a new phone, so she got it. Uh, so it lives on. Yeah. All right. Awesome. What's your uh, What's your favorite food item? Oh yeah, that, that one's tricky. Uh, I'm not sure I understand the question. Is that a favorite dish or just any <laughs> item, any consumable? I think it's, it's meant it's meant to be as inclusive as possible, right. so it can be if any. It's a very specific any item. Uh, you know, a uh, Danish candy that works, or if it's a dish that works, <laughs> whatever, whatever you, whatever you like to consume. All right, all right. Um, I guess it's 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 too cheesy to say pizza on this podcast. <laughs> have, have all the others done that already? <laughs> yeah, pizza oh, is excluded. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no, I mean, my favorite dish would be chili con carne. I, I love yep. a good chili con carne. Um, <laughs> but if it has, if I can choose any item. Yep. Honestly, I think I would choose <laughs> a good beer. <laughs> I enjoy a good beer. <laughs> I also, I, I mean, I brew my own beers. Um, oh, really? Okay. So, yeah, that's that's no secret that I I enjoy a good beer. Hmm. I think you're the first one who actually answered a liquid, <laughs> like a, a drink, on this question. But that's yeah, like, that's, I like that's I don't know if that's a food item. Yeah. I guess it is. We count it. It has calories. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> we'll get you into homebrewing. Um, I, I was curious about the process, I guess. Um, like, I mean, I could mm-hmm. read about it, and then I read about it, and it sounded so f- interesting and funny, and I wanted to try it out. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I bought all sorts of equipment, um, <laughs> and I use it uh, a couple of times a year. I mean, brewing a beer takes takes a while, yeah. uh, so it's not something you do every day. Oh, I mean, unless you're a brewery. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> but as a home brewer, you, you, you don't. Um, yeah, and then there's just some something nice and like having brewed your own beer, having it standing in a corner, uh, fermenting that these bubbles. Mm-hmm. It's just 
something nice about it, I think. Yeah, I, I do think there's an overlap uh, between being very particular about some kind of thing that most people just buy, like developers getting into homebrewing or into mm. really fancy, snobby coffee preparation, roasting, mm-hmm. all of that, right? I think there's it, it tickles a similar part of the brain where, where you can obsess yeah. over something and, and read a lot and buy a lot of interesting <laughs> equipment and then having made your version of something that you could just buy in a supermarket. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I think that's true. And the key here is like, I feel like any developer you know that has been doing development for um, some years, they will always find a hobby that has nothing to do with technology. Yeah. And that's like the, the, the usual one is woodworking, right? Yeah. Um, baking, I think it's also a strong candidate. Uh, yeah. 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 I did, however, buy um, like this, this home brewing setup uh, with a, that's like a controller, a Bluetooth enabled yeah. controller. On it. So that's, that's an app. So it's not entirely non techy <laughs> Um, so it, it sends me push notifications whenever I have the temperature I need and so on. Yeah. So that's, it is a bit, uh, <laughs> cool. it has a gadget factor yeah. to it as well. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Last, uh, last part of the rapid fire questions. Um, we usually ask every speaker for two truths and a lie. And the idea is that you won't reveal it now and, uh, people will be able to go up and talk to you about this on the conference. So do you have, what are your two truths in the life? Yeah, okay, I've, I've prepared these. Um, I'm so bad at this. Um, <laughs> so bad at things like this. Uh, but I'll go ahead. Um, there's a theme to mine uh, that you'll find. Okay, so the first mm-hmm. one. I am volunteering as a scout leader. Okay. Second one. Mm-hmm. Uh, I am volunteering at a local craft beer bar. <laughs> and... <laughs> Third one, I am volunteering at a large music festival. <laughs> cool. That's good. I, yeah. I don't even... I'm busy. I, I'm, I'm always unsure about the segment. I don't know if it, if it actually leads to more conversation. But my favorite part <laughs> is figuring out... Because everyone has a different twist about how they want to present their lie. Some people, like yeah. you going with the theme and just one being off. Others go <laughs> super wildly in different areas. Of <laughs> I find that that part alone for me is 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 I, I like about the segment. I don't know if it leads to conversation, but it's definitely yeah. fun to see <laughs> people that tend to probably not lie approaches. a lot having to figure out a framework <laughs> of how to make up a lie. <laughs> yeah, it just was super hard for me. Um, I mean, I also wanted to go crazy with mine, but then, you know, the truth would also have to be crazy. Yeah. <laughs> Otherwise, you'd figure it out, right? And I found I'm not really a crazy person. I don't do anything crazy. <laughs> so I know the truth. I would yeah. just be telling three lies. <laughs> yeah. And where can people find you online? Um... Oh, this is super awkward, right? Because now I have to say my Mastodon <laughs> handle out loud. Uh, it's mastodon.social slash at Simon Beers. <laughs> super awkward to say on a awesome. podcast, right? Yeah. Otherwise, go to simonbeers.dev and there will be links. Yeah, we, we'll also put it in the show notes. That's Even it. more important now when everyone is All on right. Mastodon. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> all right uh, thank you so much again simon for joining us this was really fun sure thanks so much for having yeah, me look- that's a lot of fun yeah. yeah looking looking forward to meeting you in person in chicago soon yeah likewise perfect should all we try right. our scripted out for sure. <laughs> <laughs> that's what oh, i'm <laughs> i broke your very natural flow into the outro yeah well uh, this this is what people will get it's, it won't be natural we'll be fine 
Um, thanks for listening to this episode of Slices. The Deep Dish Swift Conference is happening in Chicago from April 30th to May 2nd. We have all of the links for where you can get tickets and links to where you can find Simon online as well uh, in the show notes. And we'll see everyone in the next episode when we chat with another amazing speaker. And thanks everyone for listening. See you then. <laughs> Nailed it. That was great. Yeah. <laughs> uh. uh. That's fine. We'll fix it in post. (laughs) Sure, it's going to sound great.